0: hey, this is Michael Scobie. We're so honored that you're tuned into our podcast today. Whether you're part of our Vibrant Church family in person or online, I want to encourage you to connect with us on social media. Just search Vibrant HTX on all social media markets. You can also go to VibrantHTX.com to hear about things going on, connect with a life group, or even get to know some of our pastoral team. We pray this message inspires you, challenges you, and helps you make your next step in following Jesus. Let's jump into the message. Amen. i tell you what, I was up here Thursday for a little bit. Uh, most of you know, some of you know, that uh, Brendan, the drummer, is uh, one of my amazing children. And he was up here for rehearsal and... Just, I got to sit back and listen and just worship. And I knew it was going to be a great, uh, just a great worship set. So uh, thank you, everybody in the band. Just really appreciate the time and effort you guys put into it. But, uh, give it up. So I want to talk today about renewing your mind. Our mind is the steering wheel of our life, and you are where you are right now in life because of the choices you made based on the thoughts that you've thunked, that you've thought, right? That, that's what we do. We, everything first begins with a thought. Uh, look around here. Look around this room. Everything in this room has been here since creation. It just didn't look like this. Right? There was iron ore and all these things that were like here, but someone had an idea, right? It was a seed that was planted that became things, right? Somebody had the idea one time for a stoplight, right, which was brilliant. So all these things began as a thought. You know, one day somebody's like, man, I'm sure getting tired of standing. I've got an idea. What if we make a chair? okay that's a great idea you know so they make a chair and then one day it's like man this is kind of rough well what if we put pads padding on it you know uh and so now you guys get to you know get to enjoy this but everything begins with a thought so let's turn to Romans 12 one of my favorite scriptures and then one of my other wonderful children Brady who actually spoke, uh, spoke Spoke that was spoken, preached uh, last Sunday. He actually used this, uh, used this uh, same verse, Romans twelve two says, "Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind." And whenever I think of being conformed, I think of silly putty. And I loved Silly Putty as a kid, because normally it was cheap enough. If we were at the store, I can get my mom to buy me some, you know. Uh, But you could take Silly Putty and put a nickel into it, right? If you're really blessed, you might be able to put a quarter into it. And then you pull the quarter away or the nickel away, and then it's like an exact impression of, you know, whatever was around it. And the thing is, is many of us let the world do that to us, Right? This pressure, pressure of our relationships, finances, just whatever it may be, the pressures of this world, we, we let press on us, and then we start to conform. But the word is telling us that that's not what we're supposed to do, but we're supposed to be transformed, right? It, it's intentional to be transformed, and we do that by the renewing of our mind. Uh, you don't know just how powerful your minds, you know, our minds are. Here we talked about all the things in here, but do you know that the only way the enemy tempts us is through our thoughts? Right? He's not gonna physically pick you up and put you in a situation. Right? It starts with a temptation, a thought. And then he just looks to see what we do with it. Right? He can't read our mind. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but he just wants to see what we're gonna do with that seed that he planted. And if he sees that that's starting to take root, well, then he's going to start watering it and fertilizing it, right? And it's like weeds in a garden. You don't plant weeds. They're going to come on their own, right? You have to proactively keep the weeds out of the garden. James 4, 7 says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he must flee. And we have to resist him in our mind. That's, that's where it all starts. You know, our mind is a bucket. And some of you guys have bigger buckets than others, but we all have these buckets. And if you are not intentional about what you're letting in those buckets, I promise you the enemy's putting all kinds of stuff in there. We have to be intentional about what we allow in there. You know, sometimes these thoughts we have are temptation in nature. Sometimes they might be bitterness or resentment. You know, sometimes we have this victim mentality. You know, yeah, that's all fine and good. But you don't know what I had to deal with growing up. You don't know, you know, you don't know my story. And we we think these things and then we just use them as excuses. You know, my grandfather said one time he passed away just a few years ago but he's like be careful buddy you know I was complaining about something and he's like I promise you there's plenty of people out there that will gladly trade their problems for yours and what a great mindset to have right you start to complain just realize hey there's There's plenty of people that would love to have my problems. Uh, Do you ever find yourself thinking negative, or just being in a negative mood, right? Well, lies and negativity, that is the language of the devil. If we look back into the Garden of Eden, uh, whenever the devil was talking with Eve, it was all negativity in getting her to focus on lack, Genesis 2.16, we don't have this pulled up, but you can write it down in your notes. It says, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Right? Every tree you may freely eat. Adam and Eve had everything that they needed. They had everything. Except this one. Don't, Don't eat of that one. And the devil came in and put all the attention on what they didn't have and that's what he does to us, right? He gets us to focus on what we don't have instead of focusing on what we do have. And so they they focused on the lack, and then came sin instead of focusing on all of their abundance. Have you ever seen someone succeed, and then your first thought is you're kind of jealous? You know, get excited for them. I remember when I first got into sales, I was brand new. I didn't have a book of business built yet, and we sold rare coins. And I would see somebody, you know, make a sale and get like a $5,000 commission. And back then, I mean, five grand, that would have lasted us several months. You know, I really could use that. But I would get so excited for them because I knew I am in the place for that to be able to happen to me. Like, I want to learn. I want to become you know, that person to be able to do that. But a lot of times we get, you know, we find ourselves getting jealous. And the thing is, is you see somebody having success, but you didn't see everything that came before that, that they had to do to become a person that could have success. My business coach, okay, let's look at it like this. Success. Growth, okay, we'll just say that growth is healthy, right? Uh, Define success however you want. If you want to plant an apple seed, okay, an apple seed is not going to give you an apple until it has time to become an apple tree. And a lot of us in here have these seeds that God has placed inside of us and that we're wondering why we don't have any fruit yet, but we haven't allowed him any time to plant them to fertilize them to pour into it you know here at church we have a process that we like to see people go through to make sure they're taking those next step next steps and having growth right we have next step one right if you're coming here and you're like this is going to be my home church or maybe you're like "Eh, I kinda like this church I wanna find out a little bit more So we have, it's a process, right? Here's the next step one. So you can find out more about the church, what we believe, things like that. And then there's next step two, which is where you find out more about who God's created you to be. And then after that, right, everybody that's gone through next, now you get to serve and get plugged in. Then the step in the process is to go through a freedom life group. Right. That's the process that we want to see everybody in the church go through. So we know that you're on track to get free from your past. You know, the devil's the devil wants to always remind you of what you've done. But God wants to come in and remind you of what he's created you for. And so that's like here at church. That's the purpose we have that process for. Uh, My business coach talks about this an awful lot. about the fact that you have to be before you can do and you have to do before you can have. And he's not the first person I've heard that from. I've heard it from several people, Zig Ziglar, Jim Rohn, Brian Tracy, a bunch of people have talked about that. And it's actually scriptural, right? We just got through talking about the seed, right? It first has to be an apple seed, you know, but it has to take time to become that tree so that it could produce the fruit that people can, you know, have. Uh, whenever you know you see somebody succeed and it's frustrating because you're like, I'm, "Why, why am I not there yet?" It's, uh, it's simply because we we haven't taken the time to become the person we need to become. Whenever Taylor was in seventh grade, go, going into seventh grade. She started playing volleyball and she signed up for, that's Taylor over there, My, the, she's actually in my phone, straight up, her name is Favorite Child, so, hey, in the Bible they talk about favorites, she's my favorite daughter, Sarah's my favorite daughter-in-law, but whenever Taylor was ready to play volleyball, she signs up for this, they called it a camp, but there was no instruction, it was really these teams playing each other for two weeks and she gets put on a team with all eighth graders and she's in seventh grade, right? And now to us, we're thinking it's eighth grade, but to a seventh grader, it's eighth grade, right? And she was like, I'm just so, I guess intimidated was probably, you know, the, the best word. She's like, oh, oh my goodness, you know, I, they've, they have more experience. They're doing better. I just don't know what I'm going to do. And I remember having a talk with her. I was like, look, none of them, Came out of the womb with a volleyball, right? And I'm of the age, and I'm guessing there's probably several of you in here that we called it, you know, you know how to bump, set, and spike. Do y'all know they don't call it that anymore? They, yeah, they don't call it that. It's you, you receive or you pass the ball, you bump. You still set, they, they kept that the same. Uh, but you don't spike, you either attack or, or hit. But I was like, you look, nobody, nobody was born being able to do that. They all had to go through a process to learn. And what happens? She gets involved in club ball and in school ball and starts going through the processes or the process to become a volleyball player. And I remember like her junior year, she didn't even play her senior year. She's like, I'm, I'm done. But her junior year, like she was captain of the team I think they only lost one match like the whole year. They had all this success, but the success didn't start until they all became volleyball players. And in life, too often we get out there and try to play volleyball, and we realize, well, it's not as easy to receive the ball as we thought, right? We can barely serve underhand, much less overhand, and we give up. And we think, well, I tried business, but it just didn't work out. I failed. Right? No. You just haven't become that person yet. Right? You tried doing a thing before you tried being the person that could actually do the thing. And it's just not working. But that's not the process. I actually think there's a very important step before we do. And that is we have to be able to expect that we can do and become that person. You know, So instead of just doing and being that person, to have that thing, we gotta, it starts in our mind. If you desire, I don't care what you desire, if your desire does not meet your expectations, you're not going to have it. Let's, let's look at it this way. You can desire to have a fantastic marriage, but if you don't expect to have a good marriage, guess what? You're not going to have a good marriage. If you ex- see, we get what we expect, not what we deserve, not what we thank goodness we don't get what we deserve, but we don't uh, get what we desire, right? We we get what we expect. So you want to make sure that the desires your expectation meets that my goal as a parent isn't to raise good kids our goal as parents is to raise good adults adults that have the expectation that they can become the person that God's called them to so that they can do what God's calling them to do so they can serve the people that God's called them to serve we'll talk more about that in just a second You know, I wrote a new book called The Blessed Entrepreneur. Uh, This is a commercial. Uh, (laughs) Pastor Michael actually approached me and asked me about putting some in the merch store. So there's some up there. But when I wrote this book, it's divided into two sections. And the whole first section is all about having the proper mindset when it comes to biblical finances. Right? What does the Bible actually say about being successful and having money? The second half of the book is actually practical steps. Right? It's how we took an idea and built a business that does multiple seven figures in revenue now. But it started with an idea. But it started with us being able to expect that we can be- eventually become a person to do the thing to have the thing, right? So how do we renew our mind? Step one is we have to put good stuff in, right? We all have these, these buckets. Philippians 4.8 says, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. I love that scripture. When I was in high school, one of my teachers was actually my algebra teacher. I had algebra one and algebra two uh, with this same teacher. And no, actually just algebra two. Uh, I forgot algebra one was the only time I ever made a C in high school. I had a coach, this is a side, I'm getting sidetracked here. I had a coach that, like, had to teach some class. So they gave him algebra. And he, it was horrible. It was horrible. But anyway, this teacher, I remember one day, it, this wasn't even something she shared in class. It was a buddy of mine, Tony and I were talking with her. And she's like, you know, sometimes I find myself getting negative And I stop. And I look outside. And I find things to thank God for. God, I just... I thank you for the trees. She said, do I feel like saying it? No. She's like, but I make myself. God, you know, I thank you for the trees that are giving us oxygen that we need. You know, I thank you for the birds and the air. I thank you for my job, for my husband. And she says, next thing you know, like, it's it's cleared out, right? I'm thinking better thoughts. And I've shared this analogy before about a coffee pot. You know, let's say you show up to work. Not a cure egg, but like an old time coffee pot. <clears throat> and it's full of coffee from yesterday, but for whatever reason you can't pour it out. But you need to clean it out. So what do you do? You put it under the faucet. And is the clean water starts to go in, right? This is what we do with our minds. We've we've got all this negative stuff in there. How do you get it out? Well the first step is you gotta start putting good stuff in. And the longer you let it run, like it's not gonna happen like that right? Because some of those thoughts have been in there for a while, like they've taken root, all right? We got to give it time to let God do his thing and get those out of there. But the longer you leave it under that water, eventually, right, if you're putting enough good stuff in, eventually it's going to clean out, right? You're going to have clear water. So step one in renewing our minds is making sure we're putting good stuff in. Step two is we have to think big, Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. If you can accomplish your goals and your dreams on your own, you are not dreaming big enough, right? Right? there's a story I talk about in the book and I've shared it before I didn't share it for a long time because I, just, I didn't wasn't at all trying to be boastful but like the Holy Spirit's like you, there there's a point to this story and other people need to get it about 10 years ago give or take um, I was in sales full commission we've been married 26 years and pretty much our whole marriage I've been straight commission which can be great and can be tough at times. Well, at the time I was making 60 to $70,000 a year. So my goal was a hundred, right? If it's all up to me and I'm the one, you know, earning it, you know, I, there's other people I'm working with doing that. So that's my goal. And I write down some other stuff. You know, Habakkuk two, 2 says, write the vision down so that he who reads it can run with it. So that's, that's what I'm doing. I'm writing this vision down. And, and then I start kind of praying over it. And I remember it like it was yesterday. It's like the Holy Spirit came and stood right beside me, put his arm around me. He's like, "Hey, let's let's talk about this hundred thousand dollars," and immediately I was like, "God, I don't want to be greedy, right? Money is not bad, greed is bad," and I was like, "Look, I don't I don't want to be greedy. Like, if my cap is fifty, if it's seventy, whatever, I want to be right where you have me. You know, I would rather be." poor and in God's will than wealthy out like I want to be where God has me and I felt the Holy Spirit say challenge me really he's like look you've got this as your goal to make a year what if you made that your goal to give away a year right I'm talking about totally raise my level of thinking and at first I'm like is that even possible well that means I'd have to be making more than that but Yes, there's, there are a lot of people out there and businesses out there that do this. So now the question is, who do I have to become to be able to do the thing, to serve enough people, to earn enough to be able to do this, right? Well, it raised my level of thinking. I was thinking bigger now, right? God challenged me to think bigger and it raised my expectation, it was no longer just a desire, it was an expectation, right? There's a difference, you know, we can have faith. Expectation is like the best form of faith you can have. When I got to turn on a light switch, I don't hope it turns on. I expect it to turn on, right? That's faith. We should expect God to do what he said he's gonna do. Now, that was almost 10 years before we started our business, right? It didn't happen overnight. It there was a process where I had to become the person God needed me to be, and that is a totally different sermon. But make sure that you your expectations meet your desires. Psalms thirty-seven four says, "Delight yourself in the Lord, and He shall give you the desires of your heart." That just sounds so lovely, right? All right, God, I've been praying for that new car. That's not what it's saying here. It's saying that when we delight in him, he gives us the desires. He gives us his desires. And so many people have asked me, you know, we, we coach businesses and coach people to start businesses. And like, how do I know what I'm supposed to be doing? Okay, step one. Are you delighting in God? Because if you are, what are your desires? All right? Now, there's some other things here, but there's a good chance that those may be leading to your purpose. Matthew six thirty-three. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. And sometimes we think this is kind of the same thing as Psalms 37.4, right? You kind of see the, the resemblance. Like if we do this, we get to have this. But first you have to really understand what these words are. What is, what does it mean to seek his kingdom? You know, the Bible is not a book of religion, right? Since we're talking about thoughts, we're going to, we're going to rearrange all the furniture in your head. The Bible is a book on government, It is all about God wanting to establish his kingdom on earth, right? That's what it's about. So if we are to seek his kingdom, we have to first understand what what is a kingdom. It is a king's dominion. He gave Adam and Eve dominion, right? He gave them an assignment that they were to rule over. And we are, the first thing we learn about God is his creative. That's the very first thing the Bible talks about is in the beginning, God created. Well, a little bit later, we learned that we're created in his image. So that means there are seeds of creativity put in all of us. Now it may, it's going to be different, right? Somebody might be more creative when it comes to music, might be art, it might be business. There's different things of creativity, but these seeds that God's put in us. And for us to seek his kingdom, we have to yield to him. And then he makes us king or queens over an assignment that we get to reign over. Now, we reign over the assignment. We don't reign over people. We serve people in that assignment, right? And what's great is... Brent's assignment's totally different than mine, and we're not competing. God's got his thing for him, and he's got my thing for me. And all I have to do is make sure I'm doing what God's called me to do, that I am being the king over the assignment that he's given me. In the Old Testament, if you study Solomon, it's just, it's fascinating. Kings and queens would come from all over the world to learn from Solomon. And the Queen of Sheba in First Kings 10, verse 9, she said, Praise be to the Lord your God, who has delighted in you and placed you on the throne of Israel. Because of the Lord's eternal love for Israel, he has made you king to maintain justice and righteousness. Because of his eternal love for Israel, he made Solomon king. Because of God's eternal love for people, He has given you an assignment. That no one else can fulfill but you. I don't like getting emotional, but it's it's so sad when people just lose hope, right? Because the world is hard. It's not easy. And it's easy to get distracted, and the enemy comes in, and, and we start thinking these thoughts. But when you line up your thoughts with his thoughts and can st- realize that he has called you to something, and look, your assignment is not about you, it's about others that need you to do what God's called you to do. So, step three. Step one was we've got to be put good stuff in. Step two is we gotta think bigger. Right? We've got to think bigger outside of our own four walls. And step three is we have to be doers. James one twenty-two. This is Nike's. I don't know if y'all knew that. Nike actually is based on a script. They don't I don't think they knew this. Be doers. Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. You know, do you know what the difference between knowledge and wisdom is? It's application. It's doing. You can know all the stuff, but if you don't do it, right? Proverbs 14.23 says that all hard work brings a profit, which is great. But it goes on to say, but mere talk leads to poverty. And some of you have ideas that God is giving you. God's currency is not the U.S. dollar. God's currency is wisdom. And he gives us wisdom. He gives us these ideas for us to go and create a chair or whatever it may be. He wants us to go and do these things, but we, we just talk about it. We don't do anything about it. Have you ever had an idea for something and six months later you see it at the store? You know, God's like, I'm waiting on you to do something, right? So seek first his kingdom. To do that, we have to discover what God's plan is for us. Develop ourselves into the person that can do that thing. And then deploy the plan serving others. You know, once you, you know, you see these people that have success, you'll see that they actually start having success in other areas too. That's the way it works. It's It's because they have become bigger people. One of the best things you can do for this church is to become a bigger, better person. The best thing you can do for your spouse is to become a better person. You become a better person. If you're more valuable, you bring more valuable to more value to every relationship that you have. But it all starts with our thoughts. So think good thoughts, put good things in, think big, and then we got to do. So my daughters getting married here in a couple of months, and they're looking at apartments, and they're so you know excited. Y'all remember that? Right? I remember the first house we had, and we were just so excited, right? We were excited just to start life together. And then you get the house or the apartment, and you're like, okay, it's time for a bigger house. you know. And then you get a bigger house, and then a little bit later, you're like, I, I don't want to feel greedy, but I kind of like a bigger house, or a nicer house, or a nicer neighborhood. Or... And we already talked about this, money's not bad, greed's bad. And... I truly believe God doesn't mind you having things. He doesn't want things having you. I believe one of the reasons we have those desires, it's like God using a carrot because he knows for us to be able to reach that goal, we have to become more. We have to serve more. So he gives us these desires to make us grow, right? To make us Expect that we can become and do what he's called us to do so that we can have.